Hey guys, this is Austin from The Undertaking. You're listening to the Kingdom Core Podcast. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to the Kingdom Core Podcast. Sean here. And Chris. Sweet. Uh, We are so glad to be back. Welcome to Season 2 of the Kingdom Core Podcast. Uh, Sorry about that little break we took. We're alive. Um, we we are alive. Yes, uh, we basically uh, we're gonna just take off a couple weeks, probably start uploading sometime midway or close to the end of January. But as fate would have it, my wife got COVID like right after Christmas, and then I took care of her and got it about a week and a half after. So, and then my wife got sick, and then I got sick, but it wasn't COVID. Yeah, we know so uh, we're we're all good. We're all recovered. <laughs> Uh, we survived, but yeah, took our house out a good uh, three-ish weeks, which is why I did not finish my albums of the year list <laughs> until practically the end of January. So that, I apologize. That meme for with that. the whole baby Yoda turning into yeah, Pastor Rob is a savage. <laughs> but so um, yeah, I got a new setup. Uh, I had a good Christmas. My wife got me a standing desk, which I can use for this and for work, and she got me this professionally printed kingdom core banner so um really excited to have kind of a new setup we will be actually moving uh later this year into a home into a new state but uh more on that later that's not important now uh today chris who did we interview well they interviewed austin visser of the undertaking uh pretty recently signed to solid state records Mm -hmm. they released uh, their debut album funeral psalms last year you put them pretty high up on your album of the year list for 2021 didn't you yes i fell in love with this album from first listen uh they ranked number five they made it to my top five at the five spot in my uh, kingdom core albums of the year list uh, it's a great record. If you have not heard The Undertaking, either pause this, go listen to their album Funeral Sums, or listen to this, and then go listen to the album right after so you have more mm-hmm. context. But uh, definitely give this album a listen to, even if like the whole Southern chaotic hardcore rock thing is not necessarily your cup of tea. I believe The Undertaking does it extremely well and that there's something for uh, everyone on this record. Especially if you guys like The Chariot. I think that's, mm. when I'm listening to it, that's what I liken to it most. And Definitely. Yeah. Or Every Time I Die. I feel like Every Time I Die <laughs> is the most appropriate uh, similarity <laughs> or comparison. But definitely Every Time I Die, Chariot-esque. Yeah, so with that, here is our interview with Austin Visser. Uh, yeah, we're about 20 minutes from the coast. I uh, feel so okay. like our guitarist, gotcha. Johnny, he's in... Uh, He's in Vista, which is like five minutes from... Oh, Vista. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I I know where that is. My wife and I... San Diego's my favorite place on the planet. Like, we love... Like, I mean, we're only like an hour and a half... Or, yeah, about an hour, 20, hour and a half uh, with like no traffic. And so we try to go down there every couple months. You're up in like Anaheim area? Yeah, I'm I'm like near Huntington. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'm like so one city yeah, so, over. I like yep. how you're you're saying San Diego is like your favorite place, and my one experience with San Diego was absolutely horrible. <laughs> 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 we um we stayed at uh, a hotel when we went to go to SeaWorld, and there was this guy that like followed my dad into the hotel and was basically stalking him in the hallways as he was doing the laundry, and he went oh, no. down to the the uh, people at the front and was just like. 
yeah, can I get a key for this room? He's like, I know them. And the, the friend called my dad. <laughs> He's like, uh, I saw this weirdo like looking at us in the hallway. Don't let him in, please. And apparently ha- half an hour later, he was still asking. And then my dad's just like, please call the police. <laughs> the police <came>. Yikes. <laughs> My mom was so scared he was going to get a ladder and, like, climb up to her hotel room and break in and murder us. Uh, That's wild. I'm sure San Diego's not actually like that, though. No, I love... I I was born in... Yeah, I was born and raised in Escondido, San Marcos area, this North County part of San Diego. So I I love it. I went to to college at at Point Loma Nazarene, so over down by SeaWorld. So I've stayed in San Diego my entire life. That's cool. Were you in um were you in any like hardcore bands back then in college? Yeah, we were in the we we're in the undertaking. <laughs> oh, the undertaking's that old? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. We, uh, uh, the undertaking is technically our high school band. And oh no so, way. Yeah, the drummer and the guitarist Keith, the one who like is shirtless a lot of times in our pictures. Uh we <laughs> went to high school together and I've known both of those guys for you know, 30 years or whatever. Wow. Um, and, and yeah, we, we started the undertaking when we were like 16 and then we would go to college and come back for the summer and kind of restart. Uh, yeah. So we, uh, it, you know, we, we don't kind of claim those days in our timeline. I suppose we, we tell people we started in 2018 because for the most part we started from, you know, scratch other than having a name and having two people that have played music together for a really long time. But yeah, that was, like that was the thing, um, and I play. Oh, I played in like a bunch of really terrible bands that were. I don't want to talk about because they're bad. So. <laughs> That's great. Do you want to maybe talk a little bit about your intro into the heavy music scene? Like how, like what were your gateway bands and how you got into yeah. that? Um, being from San Diego, obviously we had Blink-182 coming in uh, or coming out of San Diego. And that was like a huge influence for us as uh, junior hires. That's when like Enema of the State came out and stuff. And so we got really into like the punk scene. And then we had bands like Dogwood and P.O.D. Mm. and N.I.V. Mm. who constantly were playing church shows uh, around. So there's like a Calvary Chapel that's right around the corner from my house that had like a Zayo, N.I.V., P.O.D., Dogwood show back no in the way. 90s. Uh, there's like what? another place called the Sela building, which I, in high school, got to see Sinai beach and evergreen terrace there. And it was just this, like little church side room. And it's one of those venues where everybody's like punching the ceiling tiles out and uh, that, that unfortunately shut down. Um, and then as dying also there from uh, North County, all those guys are kind of from Escondido where, where we are. And so that was like a huge influence into metalcore. Uh, but for, yeah, for me personally, it was uh, like, I grew up, with the Disney uh, freaking uh, Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears and NSYNC coming up. Like, so I was always watching those guys on the Disney channel and was super into pop when I was in junior high and then got a hold of like a Dogwood CD and a POD, uh, uh, Fundamental Elements of Southtown. And that kind of got me into hardcore. And then you just, it's a slippery slope from there because next thing you know, you're you're getting into the tooth and nail stuff and yeah. you find Norma Jean absolutely dying. And, and, and from there it was evergreen terrorists. And, you know, we would go to face down fest up in Pomona and Corona mm. glass house and uh, showcase theater back in the day. Rest and in peace. We just like tried to go. Yeah. We tried to go to as many shows as we could. Did you see they're tearing down the building that showcase was at? 
I saw it was on fire a while back. No, yeah, yeah they, but it was like I think they turned it into a gas station or something or some store. Sure. And then I saw last week someone was posting about how they're actually tearing down the original building. Yeah, that's super sad. We we actually got to go to uh, we you know we go up to Glass House all the time, and I went there uh, uh, a couple months ago for that uh, Silent Planet Phineas show that they oh, had yeah. there and and i had been there in like 20 years and they had like remodeled the whole place so i'm oh, like yeah. oh i'm like old enough quote unquote in the scene to where like these venues i like don't go there for a while and it's basically like a brand new place i was like oh this is super <laughs> sick but not re- not how i remember it at all <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i'm hoping one of these days i'll get to go down to visit some of these places if they still exist come on down man we got uh we'll, we'll we'll entertain you for the weekend uh but yeah the big one the big influence for me definitely was uh sean we were talking about this the other day like pod i i love them we would go to every single pod show uh and and uh biggest one of the more impactful stories i have with them which is kind of wild is uh satellite was was released on 9 11 2001 oh, yeah. and we went to a cd release party uh, on September 10, picked up the album at midnight, got it signed by the guys. And then the next morning we woke up and obviously 9-11 had happened. And that was just such a wild time. But also pretty cool that that album came out then because then Satellite or uh, um, Alive is on MTV, TRL and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, we're, we're start, we, Keith, uh, our guitarist, who I referenced already, he rides motorcycles every once in a while with Marcos and Oh, nice. we're, we're, we'll eventually try to play a show with POD, but they're they're big time. So, <laughs> That'd be so sick. <laughs> I I still have only seen POD once live, and I don't even know if I could claim it. Did Did you ever see them at the Harvest Crusade in Anaheim? No, no, it sounds no. like a riot though. It, it was um, hilarious. You're familiar with the Harvest Crusade, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 They played one year when I was like nine, and I went with my church, and it was one of my first exposures to rock. <laughs> And, like, everyone yeah. – I grew up in, like, a really conservative church, so, like, everyone there was judging it, thinking it was, like, a waste of time. It was noise. This can't be worship. And I'm, like, sitting there nine years old just loving it. <laughs> <laughs> that That's awesome. Dude, one of the more wild times that I've seen P.O.D. is I got to see them when they toured with the Chariot and Maylene and the Sons of Disaster. Oh. And uh, during uh, Warrior – all three of the singers hopped on stage. So Josh and Dallas were like in the crowd just going crazy, but it was super surreal. Cause obviously it, it, you know, if you listen to the undertaking, you can tell that the chariot's a huge uh, influence for us. And uh, just, mm-hmm. just getting to see some of our biggest influences on the share the same stage, which were not really the same style of music either. Like even Maylene mm-hmm. and Cherry are not similar. POD, obviously not similar, but that was like the cool thing is even that show that they just did in Texas, they're always trying to support the hardcore scene yeah. with Norma Jean and living sacrifice and stuff. Like all those guys go back so, <laughs> so far. Sick. Yeah. That's a <laughs> sick lineup. That's awesome. So you got into those guys, you said back in like junior high, high school, and then the undertaking goes back to high school. Could you tell us kind of the history leading up to uh, when you guys started releasing music and then uh, now signing with Solid State Records. Yeah, man, it's been a wild ride. I I can't remember if we've talked too much about this, uh, but the the reference that I have is it was 2018, and it was the final Warp tour. Um, and we're watching that tour go around the country and seeing all these pictures come through. And eventually, I started texting with Brent, 
who had just moved back into the area. And then there's a group chat that happened uh, somewhere in July of 2018 that's like, can we play music again? Can we do this? And it just took a little bit of coordination. We started meeting on Monday nights. And then basically every single Monday night since then, we get together if possible. Um, but up to that point, I, like I said, I had played in some hardcore bands. I played bass in a band uh, with our bassist, uh, James. So we played in a band that, that played some local shows. And when I stopped playing with them, I was about to have my first kid. So uh, we were about to have Henry. And I kind of just knew in the back of my head, like, this is it. I'm hanging up the, the music hat and I'm not going to be able to be in a, a, a heavy hardcore band ever again. Uh, lo and behold, three kids later, here, here I am signed to Solid State. And it's like pretty, pretty freaking insane. Uh, so, so yeah, we started playing in 2018, uh, kind of scrambled together to write five songs because at some point we're like, all right, we want to play some shows. And it, it, how do we get shows? We have to have some music. And we hopped pretty quickly into a home studio with our buddy uh, Daniel here in San Diego and, and, and threw together a demo. And it was in that demo process that the songs became more than a demo. And we're like, okay, we got something here. Like we're kind of clicking. Everybody's having fun. We're committed to this. And that's where we put out Scavengers. Uh, Quiggle uh, does, I'm a, he's up in Temecula, so he does all my tattoo artwork and stuff. And so I hit uh, Quiggle up and I'm like, hey, is there any chance that you'd consider uh, doing our album cover? He says yes. So we get these five songs mixed and mastered. We get Quiggle to do our artwork. We release that on our own, start playing local shows. And after that, we recorded those three other singles that we released uh, by ourselves. We recorded those entirely on our own, had Quiggle do the artwork for those as well. And that was in 2019. Hmm. Fast forward to 2020, pandemic hits, everything shuts down. So we start recording our third single in this trilogy of singles called Who's Afraid of 11 Wolves. We're about to release it. And our buddy Joey Bradford, who is now our manager, uh, kind of had us press pause on this process because we had actually gotten interest from a distribution company who maybe wanted to partner with us to put the song out. And he just said, Hey, let's like float it out to some labels. And next day I'm on the phone with solid state. And that is like just the wildest ride. I'm like, no not way. even kidding. It, it happened so fast. Cause, cause Joey and Adam, uh, Scatula, our A&R guy had a relationship prior. Uh, so Joey kind of floated it out there. And then, yeah, next day I'm on the phone with Adam and halfway through the conversation, I'm like kind of pitching our band and I'm like super, super nervous. And I'm like, Hey, what else do you want to know? Like, you need me to keep going through like our bio and stuff. And he's like, Oh no, no, I should have, I should have told you at the beginning, like we fully planned to sign you guys. And at that point I'm like, okay, this is definitely a different conversation than I thought we were having. That's so <laughs> um, yeah, and then fast forward, like, three months later, we signed the contract. They were in the studio for a month, and funeral songs came together, like, really quickly. Uh, it is freaking awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. What was that experience like, uh, writing that album? Because that was probably your – because you guys spent a month in the studio, so that was probably your guys' first time spending an extended period of time in the same room writing 10 – no, there's 11 tracks. Yeah, 11, yeah. Yeah. Yes and no. Um, we are always writing. So we have a, we have a box right now 
and Sean, you, I sent you a clip of something where we have like yes. a box of like 20 demos that we're working on. So we are just always creating and trying to write. I think it's a good exercise for a band to get into is just to constantly be pushing forward. Oh, definitely. Um, and, 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 and we were going to, in the pandemic, we were going to release an EP. We were going to put together three or four songs. And so we had already had the bone system stuff uh, prepared when Saul's take got on the, the, on the hook with us. And that from May to August, we spent all of our time writing. And then, yeah, went into the studio. So here in Vista is where the Vibatorium is. We recorded with our manager, Joey. He produced the album for us. Um, shout out to Joey. He's also the guitarist in the U's. So just super, super dope oh, dude. Gotcha. And, okay. Um, uh, love that guy and he's helped us out a ton but yeah we he, he's 10 minutes away from our house so then almost every single day at like one o'clock we would drive over to the studio and and record and write uh till you know midnight or early or later whatever it took and and in the process of that month it, it was kind of like a fever dream um <laughs> to, to get into the process of recording if you want me to we did it a little bit non-linear where we are every single day. Like if you showed up to the studio, you needed to be prepared to record. So we didn't do drums all at one time. We didn't do guitars all at one time. And so we would do drums for like three songs and then do guitars on three songs, do vocals. So every single day I was going in to record uh, vocals for about an hour. And that was a really, really cool process because we were kind of just always on and everybody was yeah. then creatively firing uh, all the time. And and at some point it was like, oh, I just did something vocally that we wanted to then change a guitar part. So then Johnny would hop on the guitar and, and change that up. And we never actually changed the drums, but it was always a possibility if we wanted to like restructure a song, uh, we could have done that. But that was uh, Monday through Friday, August 2020. And yeah, it was like the coolest month of my life. My wife was like eight months pregnant with our with our daughter. And so that was a little bit of a risk for us, just like, you know, taking time away from the family. But that's the whole thing with this band is everything we do is a, is time away from either work or family. And so that's why I think that's why we've been successful is because every decision we make is very calculated and, and mm. business minded. And w not to say that we make money because we are just always being a band. You just constantly lose money. Like <laughs> right now, talking to you guys, we lost money somehow. Yeah, we had to pay him to be here. <laughs> <laughs> no, the um, patrons are paying for your appearance. Yeah. <laughs> please, please, Venmo me. We would love that. Um, but, but just it's a huge risk that we're taking, and so everything, everything that we do is calculated and, and intentional. And so that that whole month was a big sacrifice for our families and. Being uh, local, you know, we were able to go home for dinners, and then the kids were able to come over to the studio a couple times and stuff. But yeah, that was Aww. it was the coolest month. I mean, honestly, we will probably never do that because I don't think the undertaking will ever be a band that's big enough to have a studio pay for extended time or have a label pay for extended time like that. But because it was local and we were able to kind of squeeze into Joey's schedule, it was a good, good. Uh, a uh, good rate. <laughs> and, and I think from now on, it's like that gritty gorilla style recording where we're just doing it in our closets and stuff, but it was good. It was a good memory. And I'll cherish that for the rest of my life, to be honest. <laughs> was being a part of solid state records, something that you've always had as a dream, like, or like the tooth and nail world and, and that whole no, scene? Is no, that... no, it's not even a dream, Chris, that that was not <laughs> even ever reality. I'm not even like, no, it's, there was no concept in my brain ever that would say that I would ever be signed to solid state records. Mm -hmm. 
I grew up listening to The Chariot, Norma Jean, As Cities Burns, Me Without You, uh, Copeland, like Tooth and Nail and Solid State have just permeated my entire life and influenced me so many different ways. Uh, and it was a joke at some point that we had face down or solid state on a list of labels that we would love to just like somehow create a relationship. And here we are. Yeah, dude, it's, it's insane. So cool. I like a dream. Can't even explain it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so I guess my next question is what is the undertaking? Uh, someone, someone finds you guys like, let's talk about the inspiration behind the name. What does that mean? And what does the undertaking stand for? Yeah, um, the undertaking at its core, our little bio is a chaotic rock band from San Diego with a can-do attitude. That and, about does it. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and part of it is there's a, our can-do attitude is a joke that we're tenacious and scrappy, uh, we're persistent, and, and we, if somebody said no to us in the process of our journey, we would figure out how to do it ourselves. And that's just what we've done is kind of just gone out here and, and not to get into the industry as a whole, but there's gatekeepers and people who constantly are telling you like, no, you can't do this or no, these bands shouldn't be playing here. And that's kind of just not going to fly for us. We're going to figure out a way either through the gate, over the gate, under the gate, make our own gate. Like that's kind of what we do. And then personally, I think the undertaking for us is a creative endeavor of a couple of 30-year-old dudes with a career and kids and families. And for us, it's an opportunity to never say no to one, your dreams, but then your passions. Like mm -hmm. at some point, it's like, man, if you love something, freaking do it. Figure out a way to do it at not at whatever cost, but but you may have to sacrifice stuff. I played basketball. I played basketball. And as soon as the band started, I stopped playing basketball because that was just another night of the week away from my family. And so it's You can be in the NBA right now. No, no, definitely <laughs> not. But um, no, but like just rec league and a hobby and stuff. I love playing basketball and, and whatnot. But then that was a Tuesday night men's league that I was a part of that I then had to turn down to do this other thing. But that was something in in my life that that was missing that creative outlet um, and just something this this hobby quote unquote that we started uh, that became obviously something more. Um, but I don't know, man. I, I know we've heard from some people that it's been inspiring for, to to watch us kind of do this. But I don't know, man. It's wild. Uh, and I think for us, it's that thing of like I'm never gonna let go of something like this again. It, well, I'll create music for the rest of my life because this is something I adore and I don't think it's worth sacrificing something like that. And that's even like your guys' podcast, Sean, your blog, Chris, your or blog, your whatever you guys want to call for the rock and kingdom core. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that you kind of have to just be intentional about to make it work. That's and true. I don't know. That's my soapbox. I get super fired up because <laughs> it's like super life-giving. And then for me and my wife, like she sees how fulfilled I am by this band and this creative outlet and just playing shows and making music that she wants that for me. I don't know. It's cool. It's a, it's a cool thing that we get to do. Oh, that's so sick. Funeral Psalms, like how, uh, like that came out. When was that in the summer? I, so I, lo I looked today cause for whatever reason, I thought it came out more recently. It came out in April. It's been out almost a yep. wow. year. I couldn't believe it. <sighs> yeah, boys. 
Uh, it's been, it came out April 31st and we are itching so desperately to record and put out more music. But then the reality is it's not even been out a year and that mm. sucks. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have played a, a few shows. You did a small, small tour with, uh, Northlander. Or was it uh, no, Fallstar? No, it Fall was Fallstar yeah. and Lightworker. I think they used the same. colors of Northlander. That's why it confused no, me. No, it's the same thing, basically. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was Fallstar and uh, Lightworker from Solid State. Right, yeah, we right, did right, a run right. together. Yeah. How was that tour? Oh, it was so sick. Um, we didn't do like the best job of promoting it. And there were some snafus a little bit on the way, just in terms of what the expectations were. Uh, from different promoters, which I don't want to get into that too much because we got we had an opportunity to get on the road and play shows, and that was super sick. Uh, but we did San Diego, Bay Area, Spokane, Seattle, Portland, um, and just had a blast. It was the coolest week, and yeah, we're that's what we're going out on the road in March with Meadows and Light the Fire, and then we got some other stuff in the works uh, for either the summer or the fall. Uh, that we'd love to do but yeah our our goal now is to kind of get on the road and get out as much as possible because we just had so much fun and that was one of those things like we had a bite of it and now we like need need it more (laughs) (laughs) that's so cool uh before we get into the album i wanted to real quick talk about your guys live shows because i i I don't know if you remember this, Austin. I yeah, saw I you do, guys. I do. Yeah. You, you remember what? So yeah. I saw you guys back when you played that San Diego show at the, was it the Space Bar with Space Earthworms Bar. and Comrades? I had yep. never heard of you guys before. And I was thinking about this today. You guys are probably one of two or three local bands that have ever impressed me. Like, because <laughs> most of the time, local bands, like, they can be cool, but they, they don't really do enough for me to want to, like, check out their music. But I remember telling my now wife, then girlfriend after I was like, that guy was like the second coming of Josh Scoggin up there. Like, (laughs) you you went absolutely crazy. Um, (laughs) I, I, you had like this inflatable pool alligator, I believe. And you were going crowd surfing on it. It was, it was a fun time. (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, that show is super impactful for me because it was a really big, uh, I was a big deal for me to play with a solid state and a, uh, uh, a face down band. Mm. And yeah, I, I remember we didn't talk, but I remember uh, afterwards we kind of connected through that. And, and that was cool. Jeremy was super cool to us and we've continued our relationship from there. Uh, rest in peace comrades, but they were so, so, so sick. Mm. Yeah, that mm. show was yeah. so sick. Um, yeah, dude, our live show, that's what, that's honestly the thing that we're sad about right now is we just want to get shows and play out of San Diego because I think we have a really cool product from one, our music. We really, we're really proud of it. But then our live show, um, I hurt my sciatica, uh, during the end of last year and was like barely able to walk. And we played a show with Dead American and Red Jumpsuit Apparatus and I could like barely move and we still just gave it our all. And there's just something so rewarding of like, pouring your heart and soul out on the stage every single night. And yeah, man, I, I can't wait to play like a bigger crowd and we're just like hopping into the, the, the audience and moshing with people. And stuff. <laughs> That's so sweet. Are you guys trying to get on any festivals over the summer? Yeah. We'd anybody, any festival runners want to bring the undertaking out. Like, Honestly, I I don't want it to sound negative. We just ask everybody to, hey, we'd love to play your festival. And like nobody responds to us. <laughs> it, it it is what it is. Uh, but yeah, we would. 
I know, I know, I know. We we would absolutely love to play festivals. Um, we hear they're kind of hit or miss, but just that we'd love to check that off our box to play something. Uh, um, obviously, Furnace Fest is like every band's like, dream right now, but any of them, Blue Ridge, Audio Feed, anything that's out there, come on, give me a call. <laughs> I even somehow got an invitation to Audio Feed myself, and I don't understand how that happened, but. I, like, I should email them. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll message the guy who messaged me about playing there. I'll be like, dude, just <laughs> invite the undertaking, please. That's uh, that's kind of the roadblock we're hitting right now. Is we're a new band that came out of nowhere. We had no existing scene cred, no previous bands that had success, and so we're start, starting from scratch. And coming out in a pandemic, we released our music and weren't able to play shows. Uh, right away and so we're kind of making up with lost time trying to play as much as possible while also recording more music and it's this chicken and the egg thing where we got to get our streams up and our monthly listeners up so that people want to take us on tour and bring us on festivals but we need to get on festivals and go on tours to get our monthly listeners and streams up and we can't crack it Um, but we're not alone. I know a lot of people are in that boat. And again, trust me, if you're listening to this and you're like, man, Austin sounds super whiny and complaining, like I'm having the time of my life and this is the problem that we are going to solve. There's that can do attitude. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's awesome. So I guess jumping into funeral Psalms, let's talk about it. Um, talk a little bit about the name, the inspiration for the album, just the overall concept and also the album art. Yeah. Um, I'm always trying to hide a narrative in our entire discography. And so Scavengers, going back to our EP, was something like we picked the bones off of this old pile, this old carcass of The Undertaking and recreated something. So that's what Scavengers kind of was, was us like literally scavenging the past. And then so for this one, Funeral Psalms for us is was like kind of burying the past and that's why you see the funeral and a little bit more of that darker imagery it was initially going to be called funeral march and uh dave quiggle unused artwork for an album cover uh designed this uh it used to say the undertaking on there and we didn't end up using it and so i just had him tattoo it on me <laughs> but the album initially was going to be called funeral march and then just kind of sitting on the lyrics and the songs, all of a sudden it occurred to me, like, let's treat this as a, as a, as a psalm. And um, the reference I say for that is in the book of Psalms, David, um, a man after God's own heart, is constantly complaining and yelling at God. And God says, yes, like, that is a man after my own heart. And obviously David's narrative and his whole legacy is very complicated, but I took that in, in, in the funeral Psalms using that as like, these are, these are just songs and lyrics that express our frustration through uh, the pandemic or wherever you're at. So there's a lot of anxiety, depression, um, frustration uh, built into this album. And you see that like me just literally like, screaming out to God. And that's like the one, um, uh, Oh, negative. It says like, I look to the sky for, for, for help, for relief that isn't coming or whatever the line Mm. is. And that's a song about depression. And when you're in this pit of anxiety and in this hole of depression, sometimes it feels like you're crying out to God and he's like not answering you. 
and and so that's kind of the the thing that tied that whole album together and then just obviously you put the two up together and it's funeral march or funeral psalms it's pretty sick um and it's a little controversial because then people are like oh what is this psalms like what is he trying to do is this a book of the bible like there's a little bit of like controversy which i'm just always going to kind of poke the christian uh culture and christian circles i want to poke them as much as possible because um, they don't like to be poked sometimes <laughs> <laughs> um and uh, uh the artwork was a pretty wild ride adam skatula uh, our a and r guy at solid state uh, art directed that project and a guy named trey hales uh did the, did the artwork he's the dude who does all the artwork for counterparts um, oh sick uh in a very good up-and-coming artist that is just going to eventually take over so he has a company called fresh cut flowers i believe um and just uh rad dude uh we were pretty apprehensive to uh photography at first but then when the pictures came through uh obviously they were really cool and we then also controversially used a little bit of like the pagan artwork and styles around the per perimeter. So there's like a little bit of an eeriness, a little bit pagan um, with the imageries and then the different icons in the corner. Uh, if you want me to geek out even further, the inspirations for the artwork uh, were three movies by I think A24 put them all out. But The Witch, uh, the script writing is based on the um, oh, nope, I got that wrong. The Fire in the Middle is based on The Witch, a movie called The Witch. The borders around the corners and the, the little icons are kind of inspired by a movie called Midsommar. And then the script writing is based on a movie called Mother. And so if you look up the uh, poster mm. for Darren Aronofsky's Mother, it's very much like an ink-written script thing with mm. an exclamation point. And so that was kind of the inspiration for that. And Trey just absolutely crushed it. And Adam and I geek out uh, over horror movies, so we kind of had a blast just like, dreaming about this and we are so much on this wavelength where he didn't even know that mother was a reference for me and that was a reference for him as well in the process so there were some really cool moments where we were like no way dude that's what i was thinking oh my god yeah. uh, that's cool so, yeah we're stuck man uh, freaking crushed it with the artwork and then the lyric videos and everything that came out with that so solid state uh, especially the vinyl packaging i don't know if Ooh, it's not a pressure or anything it. but Okay, yeah. So it's really, really cool. <laughs> yeah, we're super proud of that. And that's one of those things too, just getting like a physical copy of my music and something we created is like a lifelong dream come true for me. I have one framed in my house somewhere. Like, I don't know. Everything we do with the undertaking is just an absolute passion of ours and we're super proud of what we did. So yeah, uh lyrically, content wise, title, I'm pretty proud of the tight walk between uh spirituality and in real life stuff i'm really happy with how that all kind of came together sorry Chris, Sean, anything? oh no you're good you're good <laughs> we always we we tell every artist we have on here there's always one point when chris and i both look at each other waiting yeah. for them to ask a question <laughs> well i mean no here's my two my two cents too man i could talk for like an hour and a half straight so i just know that's great guys ask questions too. the more talkative <laughs> it makes our job better easier. but i i'm the same way i could talk for hours and sometimes i'll talk over chris then i'll realize yeah. it's 20 minutes in and chris has asked one question so i like to shut up so that uh, chris can ask a question we, have, we we haven't even talked about the chargers we haven't talked about the oh gosh do we want to talk about the chargers like, man like no, what's there to talk about no. Are we talking about dogs? We're Chargers the only here? two Chargers fans in existence. <laughs> <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> um, that game was right? hard. Uh, 
Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> nope. I'm not going down the sports rabbit trail. So, all right. No. Keep ask me another question about music. <laughs> Let's talk about the song Plagues because I was really I've been listening to the album quite a bit recently, and I really listened to it this morning while I was working. And Plagues comes on, and I'm like, well, this album came out in 2021. <clears throat> So I wanted to know if you guys like wrote it before or during the pandemic. And now you just answered that you wrote it during the pandemic. So did that like first line, if I were God, I'd send another plague. Did, did that have to do with COVID or was that just no, like. It didn't. Or was that like it, a plea for purging type of thing? Like if I were God, we'd all be dead type thing. Yeah. That, you know, that's super funny. It, it ended up being a little bit too on the nose. To, to be honest, that it came out during a global pandemic and a plague. Uh, but no, that that was written. It was written during COVID, but wasn't written about COVID. Uh, okay. I, I, I'm actually, so I've been going through song by song uh, every single week and kind of doing some behind the scenes and kind of explaining the songs. Um, and so this week, as we're recording this, I'm going to write up something tomorrow about plague. Uh, but in my phone, I have this note, just like a little liner note for me that says, from our point of view, uh, one of the easiest choices to bestow upon, uh, bestow upon creation would be destruction. Oh, gosh, I'm butchering that. From our point of view, one of the easiest choices to bestow upon creation would be destruction. God must see something redeemable in each of us. And so it's a little bit of that, um, mm. just that idea that, like, if I was God, I would look at creation and people and I would wipe us out. Um, and, and that's kind of the through line. And then it, it toys with like the fear of God. And so, so Mark Clark, the pastor that I referenced earlier, uh, had a quote in one of his sermons one time, and I flipped it at the end of the, the song when it says something so beautiful to them, something so terrible to them is so beautiful to us. Mark had some sort of, um, quote along those lines. And I kind of made it my own thing. And, and it's this fear of God, this wrath of God that's so terrible to people that, like me as a man of faith, like I find that not in a sadistic way, but as a like God looks at us and sees us and loves us and finds us worthy, that that's kind of what that song ends up about. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, John, the, Plague is one of those songs for us that's like, uh, I guess, overlooked a little bit. It wasn't a single, but I know uh, Johnny, our guitarist, uh, he, that's his favorite song. Uh, the way that that one came together was a little bit of a risk because it, it opens with some clean vocals, which is not my bread and butter, but kind of forced myself out of the uh, my uh, cr uh, comfort zone, I suppose. And and mm -hmm. and that was a fun one for us to kind of execute and do. Um, that one gets like real heavy in the middle of that the, song. The too. clean <laughs> sound feels good on that one. They just listening you. to it um, earlier, and yeah, ugh. I I hate I hate everything I do. Uh, so yeah, it, it's fine. How long, Thank you. How long have you done vocals? Um, I I so I'm a, a bass player by nature, I suppose, and bass I'm a terrible by day, guitarist. By night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm a I'm a terrible guitarist, so that was never going to fly. I could hang with bass and metalcore band, um, but we were in uh, a rock and roll style band in about 2008, 2009, and. Uh, I was playing bass, Keith was playing guitar, and Brent was playing drums, and we were a three-piece band. Uh, I'll send you some demos if you want to hear it. It's yeah, actually pretty cool. Yeah, and at some point, uh, we just said, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna sing," 
because I led worship. Uh, one of my first jobs in the church was leading worship for junior hires. So I come from a, a musical background and that was always part of my thing. I just don't, don't know if I was ever like confident enough to do it. And, and then it was a moment in the studio. We went and did this like 24 hour session at a place called Love Juice in Riverside, I think it is. And uh, I start to put on some harder yell vocals and I could see Keith and Brent's eyes in the, the booth kind of light up and they're like, oh my God, he can do it. And at that point it was like, okay, like let's test this out. Uh, my biggest inspiration for vocals is uh, uh, Cody from As Cities Burns and then Dallas from Maylene. And so Come Now Sleep is, to be honest, the album that I learned how to yell. And, and I don't, and I wouldn't call it a scream. That's where I learned how to yell. Because mm. uh, that whole album, he's toying the tension between a melody and yelling. And I, I take my range and I push it to that falsetto. But instead of hitting a falsetto note, I push it into a yell. And so it's like, you know, singing into that higher register but instead of like letting your voice get up higher you just push it out <laughs> i took note of it earlier there was a one line that i just thought i just wanted to say it was just really well written i thought it, it kind of impacted me when i was listening to that album earlier from wrenches um i think it was towards the end of the song it's like don't be afraid fear won't save you now i just thought that was a really beautiful line and um yeah, I don't know if you want to talk about any inspiration behind that and where that came from. Uh, that, all right, so here's the trick between the undertaking is it's all pop culture. Like so much of my stuff is influenced by pop culture and movies and different stuff. Uh, so next week I'll talk about a song called Holy Smokes, which is mostly inspired by a show that came out a couple of years called Devs. And it was on HBO or uh, FX, a super sick show, but it's about like false realities and simulations and stuff. Mm. And that was like, uh, so there's so many songs that have like a background of music or movies. And uh, yeah, Don't Be Afraid, Fear Won't Save You Now is actually a line from a show that came out called Lovecraft Country. And it's a scene where they're like about to get attacked by these like crazy monsters. And the guy turns and I think I might have just ripped it from that verbatim. (laughs) Um, And he's like, you can't be afraid because that's not going to help us right now. But um, yeah, with that song, that's kind of just a a song about moving past your fear. Obviously, I've been Mm -hmm. through hell and back again, born in fire, where time Mm -hmm. ends and time time begins. And it's like, you know, I'm not going to I'm not just going to stop doing my life because I'm afraid or because something's been hard. Um, and that, that's kind of what that one is. Okay, cool. Yeah. It was just like, uh, obviously combo with the, ba- uh, the album name and all that. It was very, uh, I feel like pretty biblical theme. <laughs> so it kind of mm-hmm. had that, that whole, uh, side thing to it. So it's cool that you like can connect obviously from a, a show that you really liked. And then it also kind of connects in that way. It, it's yeah. Like, double meaning well it's actually a dangerous thing i i'm my creative uh receptors i guess are always on and so i'll like be watching a movie um or watching a show and something will they'll say something that'll spark like an idea and i'll pause the show and write it down yeah a movie came out this past year called the green knight um and there's a line in that movie that says perhaps you think i'm something that i'm i'm not perhaps you think i am something that i'm not and like 
100% that that's going to be a song title at some point. Because <laughs> it's super sick, but it was just like one line in a, in a movie that I was like, oh, that's really, really inspiring to me. And yeah, we'll find some creative things to pull out of that. That's cool. cool. I think for me, um, definitely my favorite song is Take Me Down to the River. Uh, I can remember mm. the first time when this album came out, first time listening to it. Uh, I was really enjoying the album. And then that that song hits and then that chorus and there's just something it's it really separates itself from the rest of the record i feel like there's nothing else on the record very similar to it it's got an extremely catchy chorus very passionate and uh, Mm -hmm. very earnest and then when you look at the lyrics it's just as heavy and like passionate lyrically i just Mm -hmm. love that line when hope is lost be still um it's just it's just a great line uh could you talk a little bit about that song of course I can. I love that you guys are asking me about my songs because I'll talk about them all day. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> all right. Take Me Down the River. The title of that song is based on a movie called Hotel Artemis. And it's about a bunch of assassins who break into this place. And there's a line at some point, Jeff, Jeff Goldblum's about to get killed. And I think he says, take, meet me down the river or something. He says something real simple like that. And I took that made song title, Take Me Down the River. Um, obviously that has biblical stuff about baptism and the river imagery, the folk song, uh, I go down to the river and pray. We sample that song now in our live show. If we play this song, um, so, so you kind of, again, just marry pop culture and, and spirituality a little bit in that the song is, yeah, it's, it's a complicated one. And, and so I wrote that as a dialogue between me and let's, let's just say a dialogue between me and God and basically the yelling parts outside of the chorus are me saying to my friends and and people don't worry about me. I'm fine. Real men are trained to hide their burdens. Mm -hmm. And, And it's a lot of stuff that's just saying like, don't, I don't, I don't need your help. I don't want your help. Kind of leave me alone. But in that song, I'm at the, I'm at wit's end. I'm I'm in a really dark place, and that's when the chorus comes in and says, you know, when all hope is lost, be still. And then the imagery between uh, anxiety, excuse me, anxiety and like a tunnel. So the, there's a line in the sorry, uh, I'm Drake Lacroix, and it went down the wrong uh, pipe. Um, <laughs> uh, that's the second person on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Was that was it Sean from Phineas? No, Sean. Oh, oh yeah, Sean from Phineas. Yeah. Um so so there's a line that's a that solid says, state uh, I, I I'm, I'm we're in a tunnel and every tunnel ends um is is imagery for anxiety that when you're in a place of anxiety that you can't see the end of the tunnel and so yeah, that's that's honestly it's such a fascinating song and that chorus is so out of place in it theory is. and that's the thing that creates the tension is 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 i feel like the undertaking is co- always trying to like put ourselves in this box and we're constantly trying to like break the box but then keep it together at the same time and in that song is i think number nine on the album mm-hmm. and you just get you just get heavy after heavy after heavy and then we give you this like tiny little slice of rest or hope Mm -hmm. and then and then it's back into heavy and that's why uh the song i really don't want to be here is the next one that's right after that because it's just like boom right off right off the bat heavy and brutal and fast 
And then even structurally, the chorus is a minor chorus to a major. Uh, there's a minor chord to a major chord transition the last two times we do the chorus, which is probably the only time that we ever hit into a major chord on the album. Most of it's going to be minor chords and very moody and very aggressive. And so, yeah, I think that song, where it's at on the album and its place in our, our, our little thing that we created, it, it, it is kind of out of place but at the same point it's perfectly in its place mm -hmm. <laughs> and i it like it pumps me up because we're really proud of where it ended up and how we recorded it i had a hell of a time uh recording that chorus and and i say that because it was just the funnest thing i did on the album i'm very proud of that song but there are harmonies and yells and there's a couple different versions i'll track down a demo of that where you can hear everything that without it being mixed and there's like 10 different harmonies and melodies going through that. And oh, wow. So you super, have layers super, of vocals yeah, on there's, Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of different layers in there that I'm really proud of. And and some of the notes that I hit, too, are... are, are I don't have that range, but then yeah. I found it in there. And and uh, obviously the you know recording process and auto-tune stuff really helps clean up some of the... <laughs> rough edges but but my yell that i can kind of do that sometimes so that was really fun yeah what about the uh the song no friends that one's uh that one's such a, a moody track it is the whole album yeah, yeah the it. whole album is of course but <laughs> I, if you want a fun little ride uh go into our youtube comments on our music video on that one and yeah some people that aren't super stoked on it and that's okay uh, people misunderstand that song. A lot of my lyrics can tend to be a little tongue in cheek and a little sassy. Um, and, and truthfully, that's just a song about me being a bad friend. And I mean, it's, it's, it's really just like, and not, I'm not, I'm not a bad friend. I think we just all have tendencies to like, you know, if somebody stops talking to us or hurts our feelings where we get mad at them. And in reality, the chorus is literally like, I'm selfish. I'm rude. I'm conceited. I'm vain. And, and somebody in the YouTube comments, they're like, he's, he's, he's exalting himself and saying that those are all good things. And I'm like, no, that's like really bad. I'm just acknowledging and being honest here for a second yeah. that I can be oh rude. Gosh. I can be vain. Yeah. And, and I got, I'm, I'm a pastor at a church here in San Diego. And, and somebody said, I'm like a false Christian on that. And it's like, yeah, you, you that's don't. Hilarious. <laughs> I'm reading them it's right now. It's really <laughs> Someone oh, said, "Yeah, someone said, oh look, Solid State pursuing another secular band lost so much respect for Solid State.' Yeah, and funny, I, honestly, I don't care what anybody says. Any dialogue about us is good dialogue. It's true. Um, but but get get to know me, and you'll understand that a little bit more. Um, oh, yeah. What what is your your outlook on that? Like, not necessarily you guys being like a Christian band or not, but like, yeah. does faith play a part in?" in the whole band's kind of role, like creating music or how does that work for you guys? I'll apply it to where we, where I work. I work at a church in San Diego called North coast church. Um, we are a really cool church. If you ever want to check it out, we're online and do some cool stuff. But uh, if you meet Chris or Larry, they never go by pastor Larry, pastor Chris. I'm not pastor Austin. Like do not, I'm not, don't call me that. I'm just Austin. And the reason why Chris does that is because you're a plumber. You don't go up to, hey, plumber Chris, how you doing today, buddy? Oh, what's up, electric, electrician Sean? How you doing? 
And Chris's whole thing is like, I'm just a normal person. God's just given me the gift to teach mm-hmm. and, and I'm using this platform. And I've kind of applied that a little bit like, and again, controversially so, and let's get into it if, if we want commenters, let's go. Uh, but like, you know, um, singer of a band is a lawyer and it's like, oh, wow, did you hear this lawyer band? They're cool. Lawyer like, core. <laughs> yeah, lawyer. Exactly. Like you, you just don't need, I, I don't think that you need to make the connection. And for me then to take it a step further in, in my, in my specific life, I want as many doors open as possible to get to me and, and get in front of as many people as possible. And mm-hmm. so I would never want somebody to use my faith as a marketing tool or use it as something that would be marketed against us mm-hmm. and maybe have doors closed. And I've had a couple opportunities. And, and again, this isn't even like my, it's not really my platform and not my goal in this. But I've had a couple people that have reached out after getting to know me, after playing shows together and being like, yo, I just found out you worked at a show. Could we get together and chat about what that looks like in, in your life? And I'm not perfect and I'm not out here, you know, pounding people with the Bible, which I know some people think we should. And that's OK. Um, that's just not how God's wired me. I'm not an evangelical guy. I'd really prefer to not talk religion and theology because uh, I think sometimes that gets in the way of how simple the gospel can be. And so um, I thought Jason from Death Therapy did a good job of articulating like Christian band versus yeah. Christian band. Thing. Yes. Like he, he did a really good job of talking about that stuff. Definitely. Yeah, that was definitely a good part of that episode. But I think that's cool. It's like, you know, I'm a hardcore singer. I jump and yell and I scream in people's faces. I jump around. And then afterwards you find out like, oh, this guy works at a church. And if you showed up to 1451 Montiel Road at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning in Vista, California, or Escondido, California, you'd see him either giving announcements or being a life group pastor. And I think that that's a really cool thing that uh, God's kind of given me right now. Yeah, for sure. Thank that's you. really cool. Um, I just moved you guys so powerfully with my rant. So. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm having to mull over if we can air this or not. I, I don't know if we can. <laughs> what? You delete that. Uh, yeah, there there will probably be some people upset by that, but that's fine. I, I, I what, what I'll say about you that I find very, uh, what's the word, very admirable and almost inspirational in a way is just like how comfortable you are in your faith mm. and how like because of your comfortability in your faith, you don't care what people label you as well as you don't care what you label yourself. You're just like, get to know me and you'll get to know Christ. And I, I, I really like that attitude and that approach. But that comes from my insecurities. Cause part of that is if I started to care what people think, I wouldn't do anything. <laughs> I, would be, I, I would be crippled by my weirdness and my insecurity. And I would never, you know, do, do or accomplish anything. And so part of that's a self-defense mechanism of like, you know what, I'm, I don't care. And I know this is going to upset people. And I know that people are going to think that we're doing this wrong, but you know what, every, everybody already thinks that anyways. So let's just move past it and we're going to do the best that we can. <laughs> For sure. By the way, O negative is probably my favorite track. So good. Oh, so good. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. When it, it it was I remember when you because that was the first single that you guys dropped. Uh, it was 
Yeah, no, that was the first thing that everybody heard. Yeah. Yeah, I like it caught me off guard because it's it's you guys are one of those bands that you have a little bit of a different sound that Solid State traditionally doesn't have. Like obviously the Chariot and there's not too many bands like you guys there. So I remember when I I heard it, I'm like, whoa, this is different. Kind of caught me off guard, but. Now, now listening to the album a few times um, in the last couple of weeks here, it's I'm like, this one, this one rips cool. all the way through. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, it's all say like that because that that song kind of keeps people guessing from start to finish. Like, there's really no mm-hmm. rhyme or reason. Um, and if you like that song, I think you'll like the four songs that we're working on as a potential EP right now. That we just need Solid State to like. We need to convince Solid State to. Uh, prove it so that we can put it out. So if you are listening Sweet. to this and you are like at least semi interested in hearing more undertaking music, like stream our stuff on Spotify so we can get some more likes and whatnot. So Definitely. But also maybe you clicked out of this podcast because I said something that offended you. But... <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, so like I'm looking at the lyrics and I'm seeing the lines I wanted to talk about, but as I'm scrolling, I'm like, I need to talk about this whole song because it's yeah. just it, it again it's very moody it's very i want to say dark but it's almost grim i can tell it comes from a place of like hopelessness um you've got the line uh i keep sinking deeper and deeper down it's ripping me apart piece by piece into oblivion sometimes dead is better sometimes dead is better mm-hmm. and someone who's listening to it wanting like some christ core may not agree with that so let's talk nope. about that lyric. Let's. Uh, I like that. Oh, let's go, guys. Uh, so at some point, uh, my buddy uh, Andrew from HM Magazine interviewed me, and I said, I'm going to, like, the Bible is a very dark, dark piece of literature and dark piece of truth if you want to get into that. And uh, I, I don't think people like to get into the dark corners of the gospel and our struggles as humans, and that's okay. My story is I don't, I don't really talk about this too often. So you guys are getting a little bit more of a raw version of me is my wife has struggled with anxiety and depression multiple times, extreme anxiety, extreme depression, has had some extreme postpartum depression. And uh, there have been a couple nights where I didn't know if we'd make it out. And uh, it's impossible. And that song is written about our journey through anxiety and depression, and what that does. And uh, we had a friend uh, in our community about a year ago who uh, took her own life because of how bad her postpartum was. And and people in the church, man, have this weird stigma that this is like not an okay thing to talk about or process. And this whole uh, notion of mental health and seeking therapy mm. and all that stuff mm. is like so necessary because this has been a hard two years and we're in like an impossible place that sometimes you just need to process and talk about your emotions. And and O Negative specifically uh, is a song about that deep, dark pit of depression. And it's a song written from the writer. And, and oftentimes when I'm writing, which people don't maybe understand sometimes, is I usually am putting myself in the vision of a character. Like it's oftentimes not me right. saying those things. I become a character as I'm writing mm-hmm. that. And this character in this song is somebody who's in a deep, dark pit of depression. and they're hopeless and they cannot see the light and they cannot see any way out of that. And I think as people, we need to talk about that more. So yeah, that's, that's what that song is about. And it's pretty wild because yeah, it's it's pretty dark. (laughs) (laughs) 
a straight. But I yeah, think... that's that's our story. My, I'm super proud of my wife. She uh, she has gone to counseling like crazy. Uh, we have three kids. No more kids, so hopefully no more postpartum depression. Obviously, um, but anxiety and depression is something that we live together uh, as a family with every single day, and that pit can be really dark. And my uh, my encouragement, and man, if anybody's out there listening that has experienced that, like know that you're not alone, and it's an impossible journey sometimes, but we got you. Awesome, dude. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, thank you. That's uh, I think that's the most vulnerable a guest has gotten on this show yet. <laughs> sure. So, so yeah. No, I'm sorry. Great. I know that that's heavy, but I mean that's that's part of it, and I think. Uh, again, my creative receptors are kind of always going off and it's like, Oh, these are emotions that I'm feeling like, let's put this into a song. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, my last name is Visser. And so it's a little bit funny. I'd say visceral, but I want my songs to be visceral. I want you to feel them. And I want, I want the anger. I want that frustration when you're listening to just like blast you in the face. And I know sometimes maybe people it's too much for them. I'm not really sure yet, but, but we're, we're having fun with it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> that's that's the beauty too the undertaking man i talked about the tension between like keeping the box together and letting it blow apart is like that's the tension of us too we're always trying to grapple pop culture and jokes and kind of being fun and hanging out but then our subject matter is going to be really heavy and really dark um and it's the juxtaposition of all of that that i think creates our brand uh, as a whole dude thanks so much for coming on this was a great conversation uh this is our first episode of season two of the Kingdom okay. Core podcast. So we were very excited to have you on. We mm. appreciate you giving up an hour of your time. Yes, thank you very much. No, man, I appreciate you having me on. I, I know it's a little bit uncomfortable because of what we talked about, and I love it, I love it so I much it. that we're probably maybe your least Christian band that you've had on, but then at the same time, I'm a pastor and Johnny is a worship leader in the church. So it's, again, just this weird juxtaposition between what you guys are doing and I'm a huge fan of what you're doing and absolutely love Kingdom Core for the rock, everything that you guys are doing to promote the scene and stuff. It's absolutely invaluable, uh, especially when we're all just scratching and clawing and trying to make our way out there. So, yeah, Yeah. appreciate you guys. Thank you, man. Could you you, uh, tell our listeners where they can find you? Yeah, we are on Spotify, Twitter, Facebook. I think we have a, uh, I was going to call it Snapchat. What's it called? TikTok. Um, but it's uh, the Undertaking Rocks on Instagram, uh, at the underscore the Undertaking, at underscore the Undertaking on Twitter. And then you could also go to the UndertakingRocks.com, and that links you to all of our socials, uh, as well as uh, on Spotify. Follow us over there. And then if you want to grab some merch, you can go to the Undertaking.BigCartel.com and grab some shirts or wall flag or vinyl or Whatever you want, we got. The yes, cool go stuff. grab their merch. I just <laughs> grabbed a shirt uh, last week. Spotify they have listeners up. They have some of the sickest merch, so go grab it. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate that. Trey Hale is the guy who did the album artwork, did some of it, and then um, North Three Studios. Jim Hughes, uh, Jim, the legendary. Jim. How did I? I'm so sorry. Uh, Jim Hughes did some of our stuff too, and we had the absolute pleasure of working with him, and he That's crushes awesome. it for for King and all those bands. So. Oh yeah, That's great. That's it for this episode. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening to and or watching the Kingdom Core podcast. And thank you so much to Austin from The Undertaking for coming out and spending your time here with us to talk about 
music and faith and everything in between. I just want to remind you guys, wherever you're listening to, whether it be on Apple Music or now Spotify, you guys can rate the podcast. We've had an awesome number of you do that for us, rating it five stars. It helps new people find our podcast that may not be you who followed our ministries on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. It's been a huge help, so thank you very much. Also, a huge thank you to our patrons. We have a growing amount of support with our community on Patreon, um, so you can become a patron over at patreon.com slash Podcast. A special shout-out and thank you to Anthony Kuchma, Jonathan Lyman, Aaron Peter, and Dead Pedal Coffee Company for supporting the podcast with your finances. All of these guys are contributing $10 or more per month, and it's so great to have your support, so thank you very much. We got a lot of plans coming up this year for the Kingdom Core podcast. We got some cool ones lined up very soon, so stay tuned for that. Until next time, go and support The Undertaking, go and stream their album, check out Funeral Psalms. Yeah, we would love to hear what you guys thought of the podcast. Until next time, God bless. We'll see you soon.